The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Before the feast of Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to pass from this world to the Father. He loved his own in the world, and he loved them to the end. The devil had already induced Judas, Judas, son of Simon the Iscariot, to hand him over. So, during supper, fully aware that the Father had put everything in his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God, he rose from supper and took off his outer garments. He took a towel and tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and dry them with the towel around his waist. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Master, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will understand later. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, Unless I wash you, you will have no inheritance with me. Simon Peter said to him, Master, then not only my feet, but my hands and head as well. Jesus said to him, Whoever has bathed has no need except to have his feet washed, for he is clean all over. So you are clean, but not all. For he knew who would betray him. For this reason he said, Not all of you are clean. So when he had washed their feet and put on his garments and reclined at table again, he said to them, Do you realize what I have done for you? You call me teacher and master, and rightly so, for indeed I am. If I, therefore, your master and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. I have given you a model to follow, so that as I have done for you, you should also do. The Gospel of the Lord. So it's here. We get to have a Triduum this year. Are you as excited as I am? The mysteries that we're about to immerse ourselves in since two years ago. Two years ago. The scriptures have brought us to this point. And it's important, I think, as we enter into this triduum, these three days of probing the mysteries of God, that we remember how we got here and the context that the church has given us so that we can enter deeply into these mysteries of our faith. Because these are the core of who we are and what we believe. So for the last several weeks, we've been preparing ourselves. 
Way back about four weeks ago, we heard about the woman at the well. Remember her and how Jesus taught that our desires that are so twisted and lead us astray so often can be healed when we center ourselves on him. And our addictions and our shame can be taken away by the power of Jesus. He draws a line in the sand and says, sin, you can go no farther. Death, you can go no farther. And then he takes a step and we see the man born blind whom he healed. And it was unheard of that anyone healed a man born blind. And he showed us how those blindnesses in our society, in our culture, in our hearts, in our lives cannot control us, and that God can free us to see reality as it truly is, to see beyond the snares of the world, to see the truth of God and the power of love. Sin, you can go no further. Death, you can go no further. And then we heard about the raising of Lazarus, where Jesus weeps, And by the power of his tears, he conquers death for Lazarus. Not only does he draw a line and say you can go no farther, but he says, death, I'm here. And you must retreat. And he draws a line. And then last week on Palm Sunday, we heard about his triumphant procession into Jerusalem with crowds waving palms. And death is being pushed back. And then we come to tonight. We come to tonight. And we hear about a meal. We hear about an encounter with Jesus by His people. By the people He has chosen. I want to tell you a story. Way back over 20 years ago, I was working with RCIA, kind of like Greg does here, people who are becoming Catholic. And we were praying with the readings and the scriptures that were coming up for these three days of worship and mystery. And one of the dear young college students I was working with, Leslie, came up to me after we were talking about the power of these readings um, that we're going to hear on Holy Saturday, the story of the Egyptians being destroyed in the flood as the Israelites walked across dry shod through the Red Sea. And she came up to me and she was terrified. She's like, I, Lincoln, I think I'm an Egyptian. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? He said, well, they were violent. They were self-centered. They didn't do what God wanted, but what they wanted. And I'm afraid... <laughs> of this God who destroys the Egyptians. And I said, Leslie, let's look at the scriptures and let's look at what's the difference between an Egyptian and God's chosen people? What's the difference? So we poured through the scriptures and we read and we we discussed and we found out that God's chosen people were violent. They were self-centered. They didn't do what God wanted them to do. I said, Leslie, what's what's the difference? And we prayed and we talked and we looked. And then Exodus chapter 12 that we just read. And I said, let's look at this one. 
for Holy Thursday. And we read it, and it's the story of the Passover. And what's the difference between God's chosen people and the Israelites? There's one thing that's different. The lamb. The lamb is the only difference. The Israelites were just as selfish, just as messed up, just as broken, just as violent as the Egyptians were. But the lamb, remember they're told to slaughter a lamb, pour its blood on their lintels over their doorposts, eat the lamb, and when the angel of death comes, the blood of the lamb will protect them, will keep them safe from the power of death. See, the difference wasn't anything about them. It was about God and his choice of them. That the lamb had saved them by his death. And tonight, as we read that reading, and then we take a turn in Paul's letter that we heard from 1 Corinthians, because we hear not that this lamb just shows up in Exodus, but we see it all the way through the scriptures. Read the Bible, do a word study, and just look in a concordance that says lamb, and you'll see so many references to the lamb, particularly in the New Testament. This lamb that's going to save us by his death, by his blood, that by his death, he's going to conquer death. And we hear in Paul's reading tonight that we have communion in the blood of Jesus. It doesn't say the lamb. He says we have communion in the blood of Jesus. Or the psalm that we sang, our blessing cup is our communion in the blood of Christ. Because Jesus is the Lamb. See, that Lamb that saved the Israelites was just a foretaste, a foreshadowing. God kind of showing off that I have power over death, that death will not win in the end. And we see that when Jesus raised Lazarus. He says, death will not win in the end. That's the good news that we celebrate tonight. And we do that week after week because just like those, Egypt, those Israelites, we come forward and we partake of the lamb. Remember what they had to do in Exodus chapter 12. They had to eat the flesh of the lamb. And we see that we do that week after week. Not because of something we've done or how great we are, but because of the blood of the Lamb that saves us. See, we're just at the beginning of these three sacred days, so we don't have the whole story yet. That's why we have to come back tomorrow to hear the Passion on Good Friday. If you can't be here, read it. The end of John's gospel, the passion of Jesus Christ. And we have to come back Saturday night and Sunday to hear the rest of the story because we've gotten so far that we know death and Jesus are going to go toe to toe. 
He has drawn a line in the sand and stepped across it and said, Death, come on. I'm the lamb. I beat you once. I'm going to beat you again. And when we come back tomorrow, we see death take its best shot at Jesus. And it does not look good. It does not look good. Because we are people of the Lamb. So we don't look at it outside as some movie that's showing, but we look at it as friends and students of Jesus. And we can appreciate the suffering that that Lamb goes through for us to save us from the power of death. That's what this is all about. You know, death is coming for all of us. That's the truth. And if we don't have Jesus standing there confronting it, putting his blood on the line, we're done. But the good news is that we come and we eat the flesh of the lamb. We accept him into us. Because Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and who conquers death. That's the good news. So that's the message this Holy Thursday. We're not washing feet because of COVID. But we are eating the flesh of the Lamb of God who protects us and who has conquered death forever. The liturgy tonight ends very strangely. It ends very odd. It feels like it doesn't end because in fact it doesn't. What you're going to see happen is at the end of the liturgy, we're going to have the monstrance out and we're going to have the body of the Lamb the body of the Lord, on the altar. Because tonight, we're not at the end of the story yet. Think of this as the night before the big fight. The night before the battle. And we join Jesus, the Lamb, in prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane as he looks forward to a battle with death, with death itself, Trusting in his heavenly Father, trusting the Spirit that's been given to him. But we stay and we pray with him. As Greg said at the beginning of Mass, the church will be open until midnight. I'll be here praying, and whoever comes to join, you're welcome to come join anytime until midnight to pray with the Lamb. Because we all confront death. We all know what was going through Jesus' heart and through his head because we know death comes for us. And we know the fears and the anxiety that death brings into our world. So we sit with Jesus in that fear and in that anxiety, but also in his trust of the Father who has given him the power to step across that line and conquer death for us.